Welcome to the Disability and Podcast, bringing together thoughtful discussion and debate. This month, writer, workshop facilitator and creative mentor, Omikemi, and multidisciplinary artist, socially engaged practitioner and creative producer, Priya Mystery, also known as What's the Big Mystery, chat about sustainability and maintaining good health in your art practice. This podcast contains some strong language. Yeah, look, good, good to be here with you, Priya. Um, about to have this conversation, um, which has been set up by Disability Arts Online. And I guess we're going to spend a bit of time um, reflecting on questions that are really, uh, yeah, asking us to look at the idea of a sustainable arts practice, um, perhaps, you know, identifying what, what that might mean for us. Uh, and identifying where concepts like care or healing may be relevant to our practices. Um, and, you know, one of the first prompts that came was around uh, sustainable arts practice. And I found it really tricky, but one of the quotes that came for me, <clears throat> I was looking at it again this, mo this morning, was from Fred, Fred Moten's Undercommons. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it may seem a bit random, but anyways, the quote is, the coalition emerges out of your recognition that it's fucked up for you in the same way that we've already recognised that it's fucked up for us. I don't need your help. I just need you to recognise that the shit is killing you too, however much more softly, you stupid motherfucker, you know. So that's the quote. <clears throat> and, I mean, maybe it's a bit of a stretch here, but what it was making me think about was the question of who is asking about sustainability and what are we sustaining mm -hmm. and is this something that whatever it is is this something that we want to keep going sure you know and one of the things i was just running a workshop this morning and and one of the things i was reflecting on is that often if you if in my experience, if I couldn't maintain a practice, and obviously I didn't know this at the time, but on reflection, if I couldn't maintain something, it was because something needed to stop or change, you know, like it reached its natural end. Sure. And when I'm in the cycle of pushing or exerting beyond the natural end to a cycle, then I'm moving into a space of living beyond my means mm -hmm. and I'm moving into a space of exhaustion. And that living beyond my means can look like um eating things I'm not meant to eat, having sugar, um, having certain interactions, you know, all the things that one can use to run a false economy, essentially, and prop myself up. And um much of that then made me think about how operating in that way, that kind of boom and bust cycle is part of it's like an embodied capitalist imprint, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, so those were some of the things that this question got me thinking about and just this idea that cycles change you know like we have changing capacities we have changing levels of health we have relationships that come and go we have deaths all kinds of things and there's something in this question that kind of it, it feels like it doesn't acknowledge that in some way you know yeah. that we have a change in seasons and rhythms and 
I'm curious about the context of that quote. So it's uh, from Fred Moten, the Undercommons, and um, the context of it is is talking about, I guess, like revolutionary um, action mm-hmm. and how we can come into uh, collaboration with each sure. other, but definitely around being in some way fugitives. Right, yeah. so Moten has this concept of a like really, really works with this idea of, of being a homelessness or not belonging, mm-hmm. or being fugitive, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there is oh, many things, but I think there is something about accepting things as they are, or rather, not accepting things as they are. So there is often a status quo, but the the status quo and what that is is ever more fractured everywhere all the time. I'm just going to put that out there. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but that's like a thought that I'm having in this moment. And so that just makes me wonder how we're all even coexisting. But then I'm like, well, maybe a fractured uh, kind of multiple ways of being, like that sort of multiplicity, is actually um, a better way, you know, because it's so many more spaces and places, but then it can also be like this fight for resources, I suppose, whether that's like a, a basic resource or a more um, a more privileged resource. I know we're talking sort of like very open-endedly and mm. in, a, in a sort of conceptual sense, but to, to speak to that thing of, um, energy and cycles and things running its running their course or not mm-hmm. I think that that for me has been a big shift in my in my practice but also in my yeah. life yeah where I stopped uh trying to fit in <laughs> yeah essentially, for sure, for sure. Essentially, yeah. you know uh-huh. I spend so much of your life trying to find your paths and your places and your acceptance and actually I uh, I think it only really got good when I really said, actually, actually, no. <laughs> mm. um, and there was actually a question in the prompts that uh, Joe sent across this podcast that said, um, that asks, what's the one thing you could put in place to help you in a moment of crisis? And in this moment, my my answer to that would be No. <laughs> so I think um moment of crisis is often like you know having to do something having to act having to make a decision the show must go on or whatever or I've got to pull it out of the bag or I've just got to keep going and actually to say no is is to is to not resist kind of what's happening maybe it's to not resist the the so-called crisis yeah Yeah. and maybe the crisis is is a kind of is a change you know yeah and I think if you if you're finding yourself constantly in some kind of crisis or some kind of strain it's a sure indicator that the path that you're choosing or the way that you the things that you're trying to fit into they're not working for you you know yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that what you just talked on there is, is I guess, what I'm expressing is running, living beyond your means, you know, running the false economy, where it's like constantly in that in that state, 
all the time. And similarly for me, my own practice, yeah, it just came a time where I was like, actually, I can't, I can't do this. Um, and this is not within my rhythm. You know, this is not the season that I'm in. Um, I think what I'm interested in, in terms of what you, what you were saying, was what helps you to listen to that. You know, how do you attune? How do you attune to what your rhythm is? Because I've heard that the no is really important mm. and being able to do that. But how do you know when you need to say no? <laughs> Gosh, I think like annoyance and, <laughs> yeah. and anger yeah. is like a really good indicator. Great, um, yeah. And also, I think when I'm experiencing something and I'm like, why is it like this? Or this doesn't make any sense. Or people often talk about common sense. Like people often annoyed that something is not common sense. And the thing mm. is, it turns out that sense is not common, you know? Mm. Like <laughs> how we make sense of things in the world seems to be quite, quite different. So... I'm sort of going, well, how do I make sense of things? And does this work for me? And I, I guess I'm also really aware that by the point where I am I came to making choices that work for me, I'd already made a lot of concessional choices, if mm. you like, mm. you know? Mm. It's like, okay, well, I've chosen this, let's say, you know, this this thing where I want to be creative but there are other questions it's like what kind of life do you want to live what kind of I don't know what kind of uh, wine do you want to drink I don't know do you want it to be like a five pound bottle or do you want it to be a 20 pound bottle I heard one one person saying this one time and it was like their choice of saying that they decided to not try and be like a full-time artist but actually being an academic and an artist enabled them to have enough money coming in so that they didn't have to be in crisis and yeah. for them to, you know, proportionately then make a choice to spend a certain amount of time doing their practice and a certain amount of time teaching or being in academia, you know. Yeah. Um, and it meant that they weren't like a gazillionaire, but they were able to afford a quality of life and I think that's interesting because there's something there about you know what you can afford or, or what you deserve <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like I have a friend who is constantly teaching me that I deserve something more delicious something more juicy something slower something yeah. more um something that appreciates me more something yeah, sure. more beautiful something that smells better I don't know and it's not always about like the purchase of products you know no yeah totally, totally. but it's about um even being able to uh enjoy or spend time with what you have and yeah. there's something there about things not being enough there's always not enough money there's always not enough work or there's always not enough security and therefore you know you're never enough yeah certainly certainly in some of the um reflections on the other prompts that joe that joe sent uh, sent i really got that sense of the not enough which i want to come back to you but you said so many things that i want to kind of quickly respond to you and one of them mm. was this i guess this um what i'm going to summarize because you've put it so well in terms of offering concrete examples of detail is the change in emphasis 
from duration to quality. Mm-hmm. And there's something about in this question, what does a sustainable arts practice look like to you? There's something very durational about that. Yeah. And what I hear you talking about and what has also changed for me is like the emphasis on quality or qualities that we're trying to cultivate um and I feel that that gives it a different orientation like what kind of feeling tone am I wanting to create in my practice you know how does my practice feel is very different to can I sustain something mm-hmm. you know yeah. these two things are really different so I think perhaps for me like a, a sustainable if I'm going to use that phrase um sure. an arts practice is going to be a bit more focused on the qualities and how I feel in that practice and how that's making me move into the world rather than how long I can keep something going for. Because this kind of sense of sustaining something, I mean, as I said before, sometimes things just, they've reached their expiration point, things change. And part of what came up for me when I was listening to this, when I was uh, reflecting on the question was also about loss. And that we have, you know, living with illness, living with different medical conditions, living with capitalism, which is a a disease in itself. Like we have changing capacities constantly. So there's something within this idea of sustainability that is in denial of that. It speaks so much of age, I guess. As you go through your seasons of life, you know mm. it's like what am I in you know it's like it's like when you're in your winter that is like your final years as it were and I think this seasonal comparison is super relevant to what we're talking about in different seasons as in in life you've got different resources available to you you know yeah. there's there's an abundance of something at a certain point and there's a uh, a, a lack of something at another point mm. or there's a sort of like uh storage <laughs> storage of resource at other times you know mm. so like through the seasons of life there's this kind of like different things you can enjoy and you can endure you know but also people just spend more time sleeping as they get older you know so you have like fewer hours in the day that you're going to spend doing whatever doing you're doing you know and that's that's a real thing that definitely um, happens with maturing with a maturation process which is you know I recognize that my energy levels are very different and that I am much more discerning about how I want to distribute that energy now than I was before because there's a say yeah I'd say damn straight you know (laughs) um so so it's all of that so I guess in terms of anyone listening um to what to what we're saying I would say that you know it seems like from what we're saying so far that there's something about just the capacity to be able to say no the capacity to recognize I guess attuned to what your experience is you know because I think you mentioned some like uh I think at feeling annoyance or feeling anger um recognizing what season you're in you know, like some some of these things, I think are are, are really important. Um, would you have anything to add to that? I think um, this. I was actually just thinking this morning about a Doris Lessing quote, which mm-hmm. actually I don't know loads about Doris Lessing, but like one of her most famous quotes is like, "Whatever you want to do, do it now," because the conditions 
are never perfect or ideal or something like this. I want to tell you what that quote is proper because it's, you know, I remember it, hearing it. Whatever you're meant to do, do it now. Do it the now. conditions are always impossible. Impossible. That's the one. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, it's just, I was rumin- kind of with that, with that thought this morning. I was like, what did she say? Um, and I think that urgency in life is only really understood when you get to a certain point. You know, it's like there is a kind of, live forever kind of feeling up to a certain point because you're not experiencing if you're not experiencing the body decaying essentially you know breaking down for its future composting then (laughs) those are not kind of there's not the thoughts that you have those are not things that can be comprehended or understood and that's okay that's cool you know that's that enables one to take all sorts of risks and do all sorts of things as well I was thinking about this and I also heard somebody talking about reading reading literature and thinking that they've kind of done all their reading and understood lots of stuff and reading a lot of kind of like feminist literature Mm. and then coming to uh you know having done that in their 20s and their early 30s or something and then getting to this other stage in their own life when they're like more around 40 and suddenly going back to those books going back to those texts to like almost learn something so it's like a sort of looking looking to an elder's account of something to mm. understand your position in the world whether that's like as a woman as an aging body as a as an identity as as an activist whoever you talk you know whoever you're talking to but in this instance it was uh, that was the context you know and I yeah. thought yeah of course for sure of course you did you know yeah. and I think yeah. I I also I'm I'm always looking for like who are my who are my elders who am I who are my people before me that are going to tell me things that I need to be hearing and resonating doesn't mean I'm going to accept all of those things but there's uh, a kind of knowledge there that you know, uh, that doesn't otherwise, I don't know, there's no handbook, right? But yeah. the, knowledge, the knowledge is into it. And uh, to a degree, it's shared. Um, mm. But it's also uh, very different and nuanced, depending on, yeah, the kind of what your community is, what your culture is, what your choices yeah. are, you know? Yeah. And what you're reminding me of there is, um, well, there's two things, the, one, the thing you said before really made me think about you know the this durational element of the the word sustainable mm. and this idea that you could just be here now with your whatever your capacity is right now you know rather than thinking about how to uh now i've got this bit of funding and before i've even started developed developing those ideas or anything i'm now looking for the next bit and do you know what i mean like this being mm. in this kind of process rather than being in okay, this is what's available now. These are the, this is the capacity that I have available now. How can I just be in that? You know, so that that's what came to me. And then also what you were saying just then about, I guess, lineage, you know, and, and some of that will be people that we know, books that we've read, um, reminds me of uh, some of Lama Rod Owens' work actually around, he has a, a meditation practice. Lama Rod Owens is a, a Dharma 
medita- Dharma practitioner, meditation teacher, um, political mm-hmm. activist. And um, yeah, he has this practice called the Seven Homecomings. And it's all about creating uh, a community of care around you in some way. And so when you were speaking about, when you were saying, who am I, who are my people, you know, who are my elders and so on. I think that this is also an important part of uh, having that practice, whether those elders are, you know, like one of my elders, for example, is the writer Sapphire and Sapphire and Audrey Lord. There's something about that, which Lama Rod speaks about in this, in this homecomings practice about calling in um, people from your, your artistic lineage, you know? Um, So it, in some contexts, we're not going to have those people live and here with us, but they can exist through books and through music and through paintings and through cooking and all kinds of kinds of other things. But these are the things I think that nourish and um, if you want to sustain your being in a way, you know, and through and, and can accompany you or the concept that I like to use is this idea of alongsideness. They can be alongside you through these seasons. It feels like there is this rich, uh, endless possibility of peoples out there that I don't know about who mm. are all like my teachers, my predecessors, my, you know, all of that. But also at the same time, I guess I'm struck by a couple of things that are like perhaps like less resonant with what we're saying. One of the things is that I'm also looking, I'm looking the other way. I'm looking at the younger generation as well, mm. um, who are coming up and being being often inspired by them, being uh, this whole other kind of set of agency that's mm. that's that's coming through and permissions and things that they're doing being you know incredible and rich and fruity and just you know also things that I guess I would have liked to have had access to and you know that's the thing that's happened over time so to understand that and to actually see that change is is incredible because often we talk about things getting worse not getting better um but also a lot of the references that we've made today are based in books or texts or literary places. And um, a lot of people now will, you know, they're going online mm-hmm. and um, there is obviously that monetization of the notion of like well-being, all those types of ideas. Um, the other thought that's been clicking against me is that we're able to sit here and I know that each of us have worked very hard to be where we are, but it's also like a place of privilege to speak from or to even speak of having funding. So some people might be listening and going, well, that's that's great for you that you've got some funding, you know, and there may be other people that have never had funding or mm. have not been able to articulate those needs or the system as it is doesn't even like let them in. So yeah. I kind of find myself in this slightly perpetual place of like, yes, I've earned where I am in that I've not earned where I am. I've kind of created where I am. I've worked hard and I've carved and I've decided and made decisions, you know, and yes, I do deserve things. But then I also go, but now I'm in a place of privilege and what am I doing with that? You know, and is it, and is it right to, to like, I don't know, to almost, is it, is it right to enjoy those fruits, you know, or is it, or is it better to be spreading those fruits out 
you know <laughs> like um, yeah so immediately when you said that uh just what came for me is a core value of mine is 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 generosity mm-hmm. and i i don't ever like to think of myself like i do workshop facilitation and different things and even just having this conversation with you as i'm listening to you and as i'm speaking what i'm thinking about is sharing yeah essentially and yeah in response to, sorry it just came really strongly that that what i can do is for me is having having a commitment to share what i have you know to share the resources that i have and how that sharing looks will be different in different contexts and in different seasons yeah you know and i think i mean i also feel like this talk this speaks a bit to another prompt we were sent uh, about models, individuals, organisations that hmm. might work in. And for me, that would be more about ones that, you know, work in alternative systems or th- have community at the centre or think about resource in, in different ways. You know, I often choose to work with, I might work with bigger organisations, but I will always be making longer alliances uh, with cooperatives or alternative structures that are not top down that think about how they distribute resource and power and agency because mm. those to me are the important things and but in doing that it also makes me think about life because I, I'm constantly thinking about myself as a human and not only as an artist you know so yeah. I'm kind of going what do I need yeah. as a human you know and I regularly as you know have spent time kind of I did it kind of annually initially or maybe every couple of years going do I still want to be an artist just checking in it was clearly a very strong almost like I didn't have a choice it was Mm. was just uh just something in who I am uh what I feel I need to do in life with my time with my body with places being in the world and so I think constantly checking in about being an artist was knowing that that is not a that's not an easy path you know um, and that there, there are other ways that I might do things that are important to me that don't involve being an artist you know that is yeah, also possible yeah, for sure. you know? I think that that touches on you know some of the stuff that you were mentioning around I think you used the word age. I'm going to say maturation. <laughs> but, you call you know, it what you like. Call it what you like. <laughs> call it what you like, Tommy Kenny. But this this idea that like it's changed for me from being like I want to be a writer or being a writer or being an artist or whatever it is, whatever the, whatever the latest label is, to it it shifting to that emphasis on quality, you know. Mm-hmm. And what I notice is that when I am writing when I am have capacity to and when I am moving and, and doing all those things um I feel better and then I'm able to to offer out into the world in a way that you know I guess can be of use in some way you know I have I have something that I feel that that I can share you know and I have capacity to do that and when I'm not doing those things then I can't and so it's to yeah to to agree with you I guess that it is for me much more about becoming um or being a human being and what and what is satisfying and what helps me to 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 show up I wanted to just come back to two things which was around 
you know, that the whole sustainability thing in it. I've had a, a long-standing kind of meditation mindfulness um, practice. And one of the things that stands out to me is the way in which mindfulness is now being used um, to, uh, I guess, make things tolerable and bearable. And it's kind of like pushed into organizations and places as some kind of thing to to get people to, um, I guess, to sedate. You know, sometimes I experience it that way. Right. And, yeah. you know, my understanding of what that is, is to increase your capacity for awareness and to use that awareness to transform conditions. And in this instance, to to transform our inner conditions, our outer conditions. And so the whole sustainable thing, again, this idea of a sustainable practice, it makes me wonder, like, am I trying to sustain something to uphold a status quo? Am I trying to make the status quo tolerable? You know? Right, yeah. Um, and then the other thing was this, I, I think I mentioned in the beginning when I was referring to Fred Moten, was about this pattern of uh, exertion and exhaustion that can happen. And, yeah. you know, we spoke about crisis, but this this sense of um, being in life cycles where you're um, exerting yourself, which is very different to effort, but where you're overexerting yourself and then exhausted again. And then because you've been exhausted and lost capacity, um, there's a sense of needing to catch up and then you go back into exertion again. And I feel like that's a very capitalist imprint. Mm. And I feel that it's particularly when you're living with illness or identifying as disabled or having being black or being Asian or there are so many areas where I feel this when you're on a certain place on the grid, when you hold certain social coordinates, um, I think it can be easier to get into that exertion or exhaustion cycle because there is this notion of scarcity that's around too, mm. you know, and this idea yeah. that you need to keep chasing things. And then that's where I think it's then important to ask the question, actually, if I'm becoming involved with this organization or I'm moving into a piece of work or moving to this collaboration, like where am I moving into that from? Because I think that really affects how, how one's practices as well. And is it coming from scarcity? And I think this thing of scarcity is mm. is like a super key to human beings, to any sense of like even industrial, you know, revolutions and what people might turn mm. um, evolutions in and which then leads to a, a type of productivity that doesn't make sense because not everyone can get enough as it were you know and then there are other people sitting with an abundance and they have some sort of like fear of like sharing that out with people and I know that I'm talking broadly and quite sort of politically but it also happens on every micro scale in every community in every family or every setup you know uh, including in the arts as well and that that thing of scarcity like 100% speaks to me and that thing of living with a kind of disability as well so for me you know I've just been carrying around for a really long time that I was at least 10 years behind 
where I want it to be yeah. in my life, in my work, in my career, because I have this disability. And nobody cares about that. Nobody accounts mm. for that. Nobody mm. was like opening any doors, you know? So all I was ever doing was like working harder, coping, getting by, mm. <laughs> making decision, asking yeah. myself every year if this is really what I want to be doing or what I would be doing otherwise. And having to pave that space out. So I suppose on the flip side, once I have been gaining, if you like, these uh, coordinates or like power, essentially, Mm -hmm. once you have Mm -hmm. like some sort of power, some sort of say, some sort of agency, which isn't something that somebody's just given to me because I'm in their fucking good books. You know, it's like I've had to carve that out from a place of these are my ethics. And it's often people who share that who are then saying can we enlist your voice and your knowledge into change essentially and I'm going yeah let's let's do this let's do this together let's find find that way let's look at our resources let's do this thing Mm. but you know it's it is hard and in listening to you I was just sitting there going I am really uh awful at being like in the moment I have like high functioning anxiety as well. So like on the outside, everyone just thinks you're like bombing it, you know, and uh, stopping is a real problem, like crashing Mm. when you Mm. stop. Um, And people don't see that. That's the thing. You're like tucked up somewhere in your room, Mm. possibly ordering in on a delivery service (laughs) if you can be bothered to eat, you know. And that that's that speaks to me of bust and boom, but it also speaks to me of like, you know, having a disability, always feeling behind and then being at the intersection of um, my identity in terms of like gender or just being really fucking awkward and not really not fitting in, not fitting into where you come from is it's mm. really hard you know because that's mm. your that's your basis that's supposedly your security your family your unit uh, that you're born into and when that is uh you know not the who the what you are <laughs> um it goes against most grains of what I am you know yeah. and it's like what do you do with that how do you navigate the world when when like your foundation is kind of like not only rocky but I don't fit in but like most of the things when it comes to like the people who brought you up or your parents there's there's this power that they have of like what they say feels true even if you're telling them that that's not true and from this point you're kind of you know you're like in a deficit you know and for me some of that has also been like when am I going to fit into a family and I've watched myself through my life trying to go oh if I could just do that I'd like I'd I'd fit into a thing I'd like have a family or if I could just do that you know but then at the same time putting up borders and boundaries left right and center Mm. so that people can't judge me or people can't push me into a particular kind of role Um, whether it's as an artist or a woman or someone who identifies as disabled you know because capacity and capability are two really different things and you are made to know the cost of everything and then you're made to know the labor and the time that that took and that Mm -hmm. that labor has been done for you in order for you to 
to to have everything that you have so it's like you're almost in a debt you know before you've even started and that debt is um, one that uh from the likes of my background is you know you could you understand very clearly that cashing in that debt is about your duty or what is referred to as duty or service so to sort of bring this back to a wider set of circumstances in community or in working in the arts it's Mm. like uh, if I'm going to do something for others you know um, I've got to understand that I'm doing it out of choice I'm not being pigeonholed into a position that I have freedom of movement and agency that I can I can become something else I can I can enter I can leave I can be held I can be supported and this is where notions of like the chosen family also come in and I mm-hmm. think in the arts um you can you can spend so much time being in the arts because it's so social as well people form friendships and workshops you know so those lines become come blurred um but we don't ever talk about the arts um, when we're thinking about funding and we go the arts um, the word culture is something really it is like something different <laughs> it's like one is like one is culture and apparently that's that's life and celebration and something and the other one is something that's been turned into some kind of industry you know yeah and I know I'm, I'm talking on multiple like planes about yeah of course you are (laughs) at the same time because that's what you do yeah (laughs) that is that is completely what I do completely what my brain does but I just wanted to come back to this thing of saying that you know in not being able to be in the moment and coming from that place of scarcity Mm. like I've always got one eye now probably for the last 10 years certainly on what I want my I don't know autumn winter to look like Mm. and you know part of me is like levitating towards some kind of communal Quaker house type (laughs) um, ownership thing you know where care is central but to to be in access of those things you need to have a certain privilege and still have a certain amount of cash you know you're touching on this debt it's a promise like one day you'll pay it all off one day one day mm. and it and it will never happen that's the thing you know in this yeah. system it will it will never happen but it's part of the thing that keeps potentially keeps us in an exhaustion exertion or boomer bust or whatever we want to call it and there's a difference between that type of crisis and one that's a kind of uh and i guess it's it depends on how you relate to it but one that's a catalyst for change and for changing your conditions you know the ways in which you choose to work I know that you've mentioned talking about riders before you know and I think those are just very concrete examples of a changing condition and saying actually this is this is what I need in this context this is this is how it's going to going to go and I think being able to identify these things um and then be able to ask for them is really is really important and that's part of building you know what I've heard you speaking about is building building capacity or building agency you were talking about resting you know yeah. Do you remember earlier on we were talking about resting and there was that question what's the one thing you could put in place to help you in a moment of crisis and I was thinking you know my immediate response to that was ah 
well, this is part of a takeaway culture, you know, and it very much depends on what the situation is, actually. Um, There isn't a one size fits all thing here. Um, And it also depends on, you know, capacity and capability. Like what I can do, if I had a situation today that I considered to be a crisis, what I could do today is going to look very different to what I could have done three months ago. You know, and I think there's some expectation sometimes that we have the answers, you know, that whole the whole thing around being an expert. And this is why the sharing for me is so important, because all I can do is to share my experience and what has worked and what hasn't worked. You know, and then and then then I guess on a on a on a very simple level, like I, I would have a set of questions. Often I like having a set of questions that I'm asking myself. And one of them is around scarcity. You know, so a set of questions that act like an inventory in a moment that feels like a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, look, ha- how much sleep have you had? How much water have you drank? Yeah. And who are you talking to? And I think this connects in with what you were speaking about earlier with tribe, but also around finding your place within your own tribe that you were born into. Right. And I think we can have the voices externally and internally that um can exacerbate crisis yeah Yeah. so 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 for me it's always like but who am I talking to about this situation and when you mentioned I guess what I'm going to interpret is mentioning community I also was thinking because we've spoken about a lot about other human beings but Mm -hmm. a big part of my community is a network of trees actually and a network of water you know I think I would really like to do everything slower mm. <laughs> take mm. longer to do less but you know for the the experience and quality of what I do to be like yeah. you know really super fulfilling so it's still got that still got that weight but it's uh, it's also not forced the thing about slowness is that it's viewed as in opposition to productivity so even if you're going to have slowness or you're going to have time out everyone's first question is well how long is that going to take you know <laughs> yeah so look, so look sorry to sorry to cut you there it's um this I mean I'm laughing at this but it's it, it, you know I've recently had the significant loss like the loss of a parent and one of the things I constantly experienced was this sense prayer yeah. of like well how long is that going to take oh are you still grieving you know like how <laughs> have you not oh come on it's been th- it's been three weeks you know this this kind of thing and in the context of the loss you know I can just kind of think well look I live in a culture that doesn't know how to deal with this but that pressure of like well when is you know there's there's a sometimes there's a sense that even the rest time needs to be productive yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. what have you learned have you have you have you journeyed which journey implies movement which implies that you've done something and you've gone somewhere right right I was on a project with um, Rajni who we we both know uh, years ago called lying fellow Mm -hmm. and I didn't get it at the time because it just basically I mean I don't (laughs) I don't want to make the project sound simplistic but a group of us met up and we lied fellow we didn't do too much mm. and we'd done this over seasons yeah. and at the time I didn't really get it I thought it was great my body knew that there was something really good about it 
but intellectually I didn't I didn't get it you know yeah and I feel that what's happened is these ideas now have been very of course appropriated you know mm-hmm. and this idea of rest now has become a a thing that someone wants to sell back to me so yeah I don't know how we get here but when when I was thinking about uh the models and organizations and you were mentioning rest and being slower I recently worked on a project with spare tire theater I was doing these facilitating these covid cafes and it was essentially providing a listening space for people living with experience of 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 long covid or other long-term illnesses what I found really brilliant was there was a deep and sincere sense of alongsideness you know so as facilitator I yes I held the space but I was also having my own experience of that and I was able to have my own experience, hold the space, share why I was there, identify, relate um, and ask the group genuine questions, you know, rather than being someone that's asking smart inquiry questions, which is a difference. And for me, I think that kind of way of working um, is a way that really inspires me and is and is really good practice where I guess I can be really immersed in the work that I'm doing and that I don't need to become someone else mm-hmm. you know to, to to be in it for me in my practice like everything is very much about process you know it's mm. about being in process yes. yeah and I really like it doesn't mean that there's never something that that comes out but the key thing is about um, being in the process and not being in the outcome and I I guess that's that's my way in which me and me working and me making Mm. my choices has led me away from you know thinking that I should that I should tour work you know I've said that um or thinking that I need to churn everything out as a as a repetitive thing or model being in process is really rich for me also because my brain is so busy um it kind of gets to do everything it's more akin to play in that sense you know and it's more akin to constant senses of learning or constant trying out but also trying out different relationships with my body or different ways of being with my body or different ways of being with the world around me and you know trying on lots of lots of things by which I don't you know I don't mean like characters but maybe Mm. I'm tapping into different bits of my mojo and instead of going somewhere from somewhere in my mind so I've said I have a very busy brain I actually go from places in my body Mm. the things that I do are led by some sort of impulse or something to do with my body and what I keep what I keep hearing in parts of our conversation is is something to do with with the body and the knowledge in the body and uh, a learning that is had by the body, whether it's the body moving through time and aging, not that there isn't an intellectual level, but there's like physical change that takes place. There are like elements impacting on the body. And then that yeah. that sort of that changes um you know everything in your body all the entire physical way that you're made up and then we're talking about like this learning 
but this learning from other bodies that have already shifted through space and time like ahead of us you know and then they might have left a memoir or they might have left a poem or they might have left some other kind of mark or or creative um expanse for us to for us to like you know uh, meet with or touch with or what whatever it is and it, you know it might be food it might be flavors it might be um yeah or it, it, it might be someone's diary I don't know for me I think listening to whatever that thing is that the body is is trying to talk to me about <laughs> I feel like that's important I feel like that is a, a key thing because so, you know the body is finite it just makes you think about this uh, what where is experience is experience intellectual like is it in the mind is it in something clicking and making sense or moving along or developing or changing as an idea you know for us as humans or uh is it in the body or is it yeah just they're open questions yeah certainly for me it's um what's been key for my life for the last 10 years is um is having more of a relationship and connection with my body and listening to it. And when I say my body, yes, I mean my physical body, emotional, mental, spiritual, but also my ancestral body. And and, and that being, you know, past and future. Um, and so those, those practices have really, I say those without labeling them, but I mean, there's so many different somatic practices I would say that they've had the most influence on my work, on the way that I work, on the way that I move into the idea of work, you know, and, and on the kind of spaces that I want to produce and do produce. So, I mean, one of the ways that I think about what I'm doing now is is relating to it as creating spaces for people to listen to themselves and to each other and to their environment. And for me, I can't imagine how I might do that without connection with my body and my senses. And it's interesting that that orientation towards the body has really changed the kind of work that I do now. You know, before I was very much interested in solely writing, writing poetry. Um, and a lot of my work is that, but it's also a lot of it now is, is facilitating that kind of space to be able to listen and I think I think listening is a key part of a lot of the things that we've shared um, in this conversation this brings us to the end of this month's podcast we do hope you enjoyed it our thanks to Omikemi and What's the Big Mystery for a thoughtful and stimulating conversation please join us next month when Mind the Gaps associate producer Paul Wilshaw will be chatting with touring director Tamara Searle and ensemble member Scott Price from the award-winning Australian theatre company Back to Back. Back to Back are currently touring the UK with their show The Shadow Whose Prey the Hunter Becomes. Further details can be found at www.backtobacktheatre.com.au